extraordinary things. This morning, briefly, I want to talk about doing the stuff. Doing the stuff. Actually going and doing the Jesus stuff. And if you've been around this church any time at all, you'll have heard us talk about this word, doing the stuff, doing church, and um, everyone gets to play, and all of these kind of phrases that we use. And you might have seen this image. I wonder if you could put it up. Uh, we, we've taught from this before. Uh, some of you will have seen this. Some of you, this is the first time you've seen this. It's just a really helpful image that kind of describes or paints a picture for who we are as a vineyard church and what makes vineyard vineyard. And you'll notice the body of the person. There are four things that describe the body. And one of them is school. And school being a place of learning, a, a, a place of teaching and learning. This time, here right now, in a school hall, is a place of teaching and is a place of learning. Uh, we've multiple environments that meet throughout the week, and they also are places of teaching and learning where we get to find out more about God, where we get to find out more about ourselves. But we begin to learn the very things that Jesus did, and we begin to learn to do the very things that Jesus did. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about doing, not just talking, but doing the things that Jesus did. And you'll see at the very top of the image there that we as a vineyard church, the head of this person here is about equipping the saints, making disciples and equipping the saints. And you are the saints. It's about equipping you to do the very things that Jesus did. This is not about the professionals. I don't claim to be a professional, by the way. I keep kind of doing this. It's like, this is not about, this is about all of us doing the very things that Jesus did. Jesus commands, which isn't a suggestion, it's a directive, to go and make disciples. Go and make others like me. Go and impact, impart, train others to do the things that I do. Go and give away that which I have given you. I am entrusting you with the keys of the kingdom. And Jesus said that to his disciples. And he not only uh, said that to them, but he trained them and he showed them how to do it. And uh, one of the primary objectives of this whole series that we have been on to do with healing is, is that we would see healing, that we'd begin to experience it in our own lives, but also that we would be better equipped, better trained as disciples to go and lay hands on the sick, to speak words of command, to take steps of faith like Hugo did and actually go for it and actually do it. And um, so this Sunday, uh, as every Sunday, this is, an, uh, this is a training environment right here, right now. And we're going to get to have a go again this morning for those of you that would like to do this, who would like to be trained and equipped to actually do the very things that Jesus did. Jesus came leading and establishing his kingdom rule and reign and his mission and vision was clear. It was to rescue and to redeem Israel and to the ends of the earth. And we're going we're gonna to have a quick look at how he did this with his disciples in a minute. But before we do, I want us to understand the multiplication impact. You see, Jesus was one man in one place at one time. And he needed 
to give his life away to others, that they might do it to others, that they might do it to others. And over years and years and years, generations and generations and generations, we have this exponential growth, this exponential growth to the ends of the earth. But in Jesus' time, and just after Jesus' time, we see this multiplication effect take place. Jesus recruited 12, and he paid particular attention to three of them. He sent the 12, and we're going to have a look at that in a moment. He also sent the 72 disciples to do the very same thing, Luke 10 verse 1. There were 120 gathered and waiting in the upper room in Acts 1.15. The 500 who witnessed Jesus' resurrection, which we read about in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 6. And then the 3,000 who came to faith at Pentecost, Acts 2.41. This transfer of power and authority that comes from Jesus, we read most poignantly was to the 12 and to the 72. And I want us to read in Matthew's gospel, we're in Matthew 9.35, a few verses and then we're into 10. And then just a few points very briefly this morning. So, Matthew 9.35, we read this. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and illness. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal those who are ill. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. A few points about how Jesus imparted and gave his life away to the disciples. The firstly is the mission. Verse 35, go through all the towns and villages with a message and ministry. The mission is go. It's a very simple two-letter word is go. Go. Go to all the towns. Go to anywhere that God would send you and take you. But the, but the key point is go. There's a real heritage, I think, here in this nation of being sent. You know, the disciples later became apostles. The word apostle means sent ones. So first of all, they were disciples. They were trained up and they were equipped. But later they became apostles, which were sent ones. And I think here in this fantastic nation, Northern Ireland, Ireland, call it one island, or whatever we want to call it, Ireland, there is a huge heritage of being sent on mission. I remember when we first when I first moved over here going to Summer Madness, fantastic youth festival for teenagers and I remember on the Sunday morning they were uh, doing communion and as part of the service they invited people. They said this. They said if you are going on mission, 
you're going away on a team, you're going somewhere, could be somewhere else in Belfast, it could be somewhere in another nation, could be in your local area. If you're doing mission of some kind, you're sharing your faith, giving your life away, then we would love to pray for you. And they said this from the front, and I remember, I am not exaggerating, hundreds of teenagers coming to the front and receiving prayer. Some of madness happens at the very beginning of July, and they were inviting teenagers in the rest of the summer holidays for those who are doing mission, going on mission, to come forward. And I was absolutely gobsmacked and overwhelmed by the teenagers who are giving their lives and giving their time to, to him to be sent ones. I think, what a heritage. What a heritage. All those brave men and women that got on boats many, many years ago that we read about in the history books. And they, they rode across the Atlantic Sea, going, going with the good news of the gospel to others. The model, verse 35, Jesus says to his disciples, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Two words, preaching and healing, proclamation and demonstration. Words and works. And sadly, in many churches today, we've separated the two. And we've placed too much of an emphasis on the words and on the teaching of the word, on the proclamation of the word, and we've forgotten about the works and doing the kingdom stuff. Jesus gives us power and authority to preach and to heal. The market, verse 36 and 37, large crowds gathered because they were desperate for Jesus' touch. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful. The need is great. I don't think any one of you would disagree with me on that or argue with me that the need in our nation and nations and in our very town and our very homes and our communities, the need is great. And the marketplace is out there. I said it last week. I'll say it again this week. The meat is on the street. The meat is at Lockshaw Park when you're out on your bike and you stop for five minutes and it becomes 45 minutes. That's where it's at. That's where the kingdom is at. The motivation, verse 36. When, we, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. And there are a number of reasons what, mo- what might motivate us to do certain things when it comes to ministry. But the motivation, I would urge you and encourage you, the motivation is compassion. Jesus came and he ministered from a place of compassion. He saw the need. The need was great. And he he took heart and he, he, he 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 just cared, right? Genuinely just cared. The multiplication. Verse 37 and 38. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus was a one man in one place at one time when he couldn't do it alone. And he needed to impart this to many others. But what he does is a genius thing. He says this. He invites his disciples to pray. He says, ask the Lord of the harvest, meaning pray. 
the Lord of the harvest, that the Lord of the harvest would send out workers into the field. Genius moment. He's basically saying, pray about something, and as you pray, you will become an answer to your own prayer. It's brilliant. Genius. Pray, pray, and as you begin to pray, you begin to see, I'm actually the answer to my own prayers. The means, chapter 10, verse 1. And if we combine this uh, with uh, Luke 9, verse 1, it's a parallel text of the same story, we get the following. I'm kind of mixing two verses to make the one. Uh, He calls his disciples to himself, giving them power, dynamis, which is a word that we looked at last week, and authority, which is excusia, which is the Greek word for authority. Jesus gives his disciples power and authority to drive out demons and heal the sick. Awesome. Incredible. We're going to just pause for a moment. It's a phrase I keep using. We're going to camp out on this moment for a second. Jesus gives us power and authority to do the stuff. Life group on Thursday. Some of you who are in my life group, you'll remember this moment. Uh, Wednesday, um, we've been doing the network course, which is just a brilliant course which discovers what our spiritual gifts are, how we're wired, and, uh, and how we are best serving God in a church context. And it's just been a really great journey for a number of us there. And it wasn't in the notes at all, but I just realized as I began to speak on it, this was a holy moment, and it was the Holy Spirit. And this is a brief of what I said. I said this, that when you begin to step out in the God-given thing that God made you for, what he preordained you for, when you are formed in your mother's womb, when you begin to actually do the very unique thing that he has for you, the kingdom comes and you come alive because you step into that very destiny that he made you for. And it's the thing that the enemy most fears. Because if you begin to do the very thing that you're made for, that's when the kingdom's going to come right in. And the enemy knows it and he fears it most. And therefore, he will do anything to seek, to rob, kill, and destroy that very thing that you're made for. And he'll try and take your eyes off the prize. He'll take your eyes off of him. He'll rob, kill, he'll distract you. He'll create situations and scenarios in your life. He'll create fear like Hugo talked about. That will just hold you back, keep you back from doing the very thing that you're intended for. As I look out, as I know many of your lives and other people who, whatever reason, can't be with us this morning, there are some of us You know yourself, and this is not a condemnation thing. Please hear my heart. This is not a judgmental thing at all. But you know yourself that there is more on you. There is more on you, and you know it, and you want it. Boy, you want it. It's the stuff that so easily entangles us, that keeps us, that robs us that holds us back. And my encouragement to you is simply this. 
is just go before the Lord and lay it down. Just lay it down. I can't, you know, I can't, you can't. One thing you can do is just go before the Lord and say, here I am, have it all. See, we love to control things, don't we? We love to be in charge. We love to try and manipulate and manufacture and kind of make things okay. We create our lives where fear doesn't come in, so we create these safe lives to protect ourselves. And I understand why. Jesus is inviting us to step out of the boat, to step and to walk towards him, to walk on water with him. The message, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is near. We're not to preach about the church. We're not about to preach about ministry, our ministry. Not to preach on our pet subject or preach about ourselves. We're to preach about the kingdom. God is here. God is near. God is good. And he's interested in every part of our lives. Comes to rescue and redeem, bind and set free. God has plans for you to go do the same. Lastly, the ministry is to heal those who are ill, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Doing the works of the kingdom is destroying the works of the evil one. And here's a real challenge. Um, I was preparing this, I was like, oh man, this really got me between the, between the eyes, you know. He didn't say, pray for the sick, pray for the dead, pray for the demonized. He said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, drive out demons. That, that's a big shift, right? There's some of us who are struggling and petrified, even praying for, let alone healing. Do you see the difference? We're coming into land from John 14, two verses. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Jesus' parting words, some of Jesus' parting words to his disciples were this, was as he, um, as he ascended into heaven, he, he says to his disciples, wait in Jerusalem, wait in Jerusalem, wait there for the gift which I have promised, the gift of the Holy Spirit, because when you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive power. And it's true, we cannot heal the sick. None of us can. But through his power, through his authority, we can do those things. But we must receive the Holy Spirit first in order to do that. 